Hey everyone, this is Anthony Fleming, Senior Pastor of Church Alive, praying that this message is fresh, real and powerful in your mind, your heart, your family, every part of your life. If you enjoy these messages, subscribe to it, share it with a friend to build their faith. God bless you as you lean in to the power and presence of God's Word. We're in a series called Big Prayers, Big Faith. Someone say Big Prayers. Someone say Big Faith. In Mark chapter 9, we find a man that has some significant challenges, but I love His prayer, and His prayer can teach us some things. Mark 9, verse 15, it'll be on the screen. It goes like this. When the crowd saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed. Some say overwhelmed. Come on, say overwhelmed. I'm the kind of preacher that likes people preaching back to me, encouraging me. Caitlin, by the way, lovely video. How many of you were jealous? You're like, like, where is Caitlin? I think she was Caribbean somewhere. Anyway, good to see you, sweetheart. (laughs) And they ran to greet him. Verse 16, what is all this arguing about? Jesus asked. One of the men in the crowd spoke up and said, teacher, I brought my son so you could heal him. He is possessed by an evil spirit that won't let him talk. And whenever this spirit seizes him, it throws him violently to the ground. Then he foams at the mouth and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. So I asked your disciples to cast it out, but they were unable. Verse 21, how long has this been happening? Jesus asked the boy's father. He replied, since he was a little boy and the spirit often throws him in the fire and into water, trying to kill him. Have mercy on us and help us if you can. He says this, Jesus says, what do you mean if I can? If I can, if I can, really, if I can, I'm Jesus. If I can, I'm Jesus. If I can walk on water, if I can come back from the dead, if I can know everything about your life, even before I meet you, if I can. Saw a devil cast from heaven to earth, if I can. Yeah. Then he says this, anything is possible if a person believes. The father instantly cried out, I do believe, someone say that with me, I do believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. Say that one more time. I do believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. The title of my talk today is I do believe, but help me overcome my unbelief or but help my unbelief. Belief. This man has a heartbreaking persistent, someone say persistent, a heartbreaking persistent problem that has been with him for decades and he is a father that is desperate to see an answer to his child. If you want to find someone who gets desperate, it'll be a father or a mother with a child that has a significant problem and not just a significant problem, a significant problem for years. Probably he's brought them to psychologists and psychiatric wards and doctors and no one has any answers for him. But what I like about this guy is he hasn't quit yet. What I like about this guy is he has not allowed the disappointments of his life to derail his faith. He still has faith. Watch this now. He has faith, but he has some doubts. 
But I want to encourage you today, that's okay. He has faith, but he has some doubts. Why does he have some doubts? He has doubts because he's had a persistent decade long problem with a child, but he's still seeking answers. How long can your faith keep praying for the same thing until you stop praying? Sometimes, I'll tell you this right now, I remember telling God, God, I've been praying for this one thing for 20 years. And it never got answered in the way I thought it'd get answered. But I have to have confidence in Romans 8, 28. For we know in all things, all things, someone say all things, all things, God works together for the good of those who love Him, who have been called according to His purpose. Haven't you noticed that sometimes in Christian circles that like someone just gives you a Scripture, like they gave you a Band-Aid? They're just like, here's a Scripture. Put it on, you'll be all better. I've found that Band-Aid Scriptures don't work. I've found though that if you'll sit in a truth long enough and allow that Scripture to get from your mind to your heart and stay in your mind and in your heart long enough, eventually you'll see that promise and you'll see that Scripture come to pass in your life. I could say this to you today, it is disappointing having a father who was an alcoholic. That was disappointing. And I remember telling God many times, that's disappointing. I was like, God, I want a Nebuchadnezzar miracle. I want one where it's complete turnaround, where you get all the praise and all the glory. But the interesting thing is, years later, God spoke to my heart and said, don't let his story be a waste. But I'm like, God, I don't like his story. I want a different story. But the truth is there was no different story. So I can choose to be disappointed at God for the rest of my life. Or I can choose that maybe somehow heaven has a very different perspective. And if I'll align myself with heaven's perspective, then all of a sudden my faith can align with heaven's perspective. And then my life can align with heaven's perspective. Because there is no point living disappointed for the rest of my life. Are you with me? Thomas Edison once said, our greatest weakness lies in giving up. The most certain way to succeed is always to try just one more time. Do you know that sometimes your disappointments aren't truly disappointments if you'll change your perspective? Let me give you an example. Um, I grew up and I, I, I consider myself like I grew up with not a lot of money. Partially because my relatives were very wealthy, wanted a tennis girl, wanted a pool. They were doctors, they were high-end people. And so when you didn't own a house and you moved 17 times when you were young and you always had crap cars and crap clothes, you compared yourself with them, didn't you? <laughs> and so I'm like, oh, I didn't grow up with much money. And then one day I was preaching in Africa and I was telling a story because I like to tell stories because it's just more fun telling stories. Jesus was a storyteller and so he told stories. So I'm going to tell stories. So I'm telling a story. I was telling a story how I didn't grow up with much money. And then I realized I'm preaching the wrong people. See, I grew up with not much money first world. But how many know that's a little bit different third world? See, see, most of that nation sat on one dollar a day. 
and I had a house and I had food, breakfast, lunch and dinner and I had dessert when we wanted dessert and we had cars and we had all that kind of stuff and all of a sudden I realised that I shouldn't be disappointed about my portion, I need a new perspective. So let me encourage some people who live in America. How many of you have a car? I say yes. yes. I didn't say, do you have a good car? I said, do you have a car? Someone say yes. yes. Put up your hand if you've got a car. I say yes. yes. If you have a car, not a good car, not a Mercedes Benz, not a, not a Bentley, not a Lamborghini, not a Porsche, not a, not, a, not a Range Rover. If you have a car, just have a car, ugly car beat up car, ain't picking up any girls in that car. If you have a car, you're in the top 7% of wealth in the world. Now look look to your neighbour and say, I I told you I'm in the top 7% of wealth. I'm in the top 7% right now. Just look at them and be like, I'm in top seven. Like if you're in the top 7% of smarts, how many of you know you're smart? How many of you know if you're top 7%? Good looking, you good looking. You are in the top 7% of wealth in the world. And some people are trying to tell you that you're a victim. They have lost their perspective because they live in a nation of blessings. A nation of blessings. A nation of blessings. Most people wish they had your financial problems. And so I was preaching and telling a story how I didn't have much growing up. And then I realized I need to change my perspective. <laughs> ah, preachers got to change. Everyone's got to change. Amen. Come on. You, we all need to renew our mind, don't we? Sometimes we need a perspective change. Sometimes we just need, let's be honest, there's disappointments in life. And sometimes you just need time. Sometimes you need time. If there's a death in the family, I was talking to someone, his grandmother died at the start of this year and, he, and he's just going to need some time. Time will sometimes heal some things. Time will. Just time. You're meant to grieve some things. If you lost a marriage, it's, it's time that'll help you. Sometimes it's just time. It'll help you in your disappointments because disappointments... Sometimes if we let them linger in our heart, they become a kryptonite to our faith. And again, what I like about this man is that he has been disappointed time and time again, but he doesn't quit. Disappointments. Some say disappointments. Some say distractions. If you can tell, I'm going to start using Ds a lot in this preaching message. It's going to go 3D, might even go 4D. We'll see how long we got. Disappointment. Someone say disappointment. Someone say distractions. Distractions are kryptonite many times to your faith and my faith. Distractions are kryptonite to you. They have brought a boy with a demonic, evil spirit. He is literally possessed. And you might be like, I'm not even sure I believe in that anymore. Trust the Bible. There are people who are literally possessed by a spirit. There are many who are oppressed by a spirit. If you are not filled with the Spirit of God, eventually you'll be filled with something. I believe in science. I believe in knowledge. I believe in the internet. I believe in demons. I'll tell you this quick story. I met a man 
when I was 18 years old, that had literally sold his, his soul to the devil. He was outside our church and we were like, hey man, come in the church. He was like, I can't go in there. I can't go in there. And then I went and got my mother because I was only 18. I was like, my mom can handle, you know, this is a little above my pay grade. <laughs> like when you've sold your soul to the devil, I had faith, but I was like, let me go get some backup. <laughs> you know, you know, some people get guns. I got mom. She can pray, you know. Now, if I thought he was going to attack me, no, I needed some spiritual power. So I was like, I know mum prays. So I go get mum. I go get someone else. And then we were talking to this man who was invited a demon into himself and he couldn't walk in the church. He's like, I can't walk in there. I can't walk in there. And then he would, at one time he was looking at my mother and then all of a sudden he looked at me and then he just, it was like his face just changed. He just went, and I went, oh boy. (laughs) He was possessed by a demonic spirit. Do you know that Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, when he taught you and me to pray, he says, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give me today my daily bread. Forgive me my sins as I forgive those who sin against me. And then lead me not into temptation, but deliver me from what? Deliver me from what? Set me free from what? Set me free from what? He said that was a daily prayer. He said, Jesus said that was a daily prayer, which means this, that you are probably not going to get possessed in a moment, but you will and I will align with evil things sometimes if we do not submit ourselves to the will of God. He says, deliver us from evil. You know the book of James says where there is selfish ambition, it wasn't like where there's witchcraft and where there's, where there's child killing and stuff. No, just where there's selfish ambition and actually says there are numerous different demonic things going on. That's the importance of bringing your heart to God. Think about this for a second and I'm going off my notes, so hopefully it's okay. When Eve eats the apple, what did she do? Did she get an altar and worship Satan? No, she just crossed a boundary she was never meant to cross. But she was not possessed. She was influenced by a spirit that was tempting her to cross a boundary. So when you are tempted to cross boundaries you are not meant to cross, you are often getting influenced by something else. This is why Jesus taught us to pray, Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Deliver us from evil. Pray for your family that they'd be delivered, set free from evil. Pray for yourself that you'd be set free from evil. Pray for yourself. How many know you can pray for yourself? Just lay hands on yourself sometimes. Just like, Lord, deal with this guy. He's got some problems. Just deal with him. Oh, Lord, deal with him. They brought to the disciples a man who was influenced by demons. And for some reason, the disciples cannot cast it out. In Mark 6, they have already been given authority to cast out demons. But in Mark 9, they can't cast it out. 
what happened between Mark 6 and Mark 9, I would suggest to us today just something simple like distractions. They have authority to cast out and deal with spirits. They preach the gospel, they heal the sick. But in Mark 9, they can't do it. Why? Someone say distractions. If the disciples are distracted hanging out with Jesus, could it be that you and I are distracted? (laughs) Your phone could be the greatest blessing in your life. It could be the greatest curse of your life. Your computer could be the greatest blessing of your life. It could be the greatest curse of your life. Your TV could be the greatest blessing of your life. It could be the greatest curse of your life because the devil doesn't need to possess you. He just needs to distract you. How many of you have ever got distracted from doing what you actually believe God wants you to do? None of you. (laughs) All right, we're getting some honesty in church. We're getting set free in Jesus' name. Amen. How many of you have ever got distracted? How many of you were like, you know what? I'm not going to date anyone until I find the right one. Then one minute later, like, wait, oh, wait, there was. <laughs> you got distracted. How many like, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give to God something, my money. And then you're like, you saw a lease. Lured. Many years ago, the Lord gave me this picture of me speaking in front of many people. And on the left was always a distraction. And on the right was always a distraction. It was just small, subtle things, luring things, tempting things. But he was actually showing me here's what I've called you to do and I want you to know that you are called to do something. So eliminate distractions because it kills your faith. Are you getting this today? Have you ever said I'm so busy? (laughs) Haven't you found that everyone loves to say how busy they are? Oh my gosh, I'm so busy. I'm so busy, I'm so busy, I'm so busy, I'm so busy. Especially when young people tell me they're so busy, I want to throw up. I want to throw up because you can't get a wife. You ain't got kids. You're not busy. Busy playing Xbox. Busy. (laughs) I'm not sure what you're busy doing. Get busy doing your priorities. Get busy doing your priorities. Get busy. Get committed in the Word of God. Get committed in the Word of God. See, you ever, you ever talk to someone who's like, hey, are you going to be there? And they're like, I'm going to try. You're going you to try to be there or are you going to be there? Which is it? If someone says to me, I'm going to try to be at church this Sunday, in the back of my head, I go, they're not going to be there. If they say, hey, I'm going to try to be at 5 a.m. club, you're not going to try to be there. You're either going to be there because you're committed because you have to make a decision. How many know that when the flight leaves at 5 a.m., you are not going to try to be there? When you're flying to Hawaii, you're not trying to be there. You're going to be there. Why? Because you are motivated in that moment. I will go on vacation in Jesus' name. I will have people serve me. I will have free food. I will, I will, have, I will have sun. I will have beach. I will be at the airport. 
you can count on me. <laughs> you are what? Committed. You ain't trying. Stop trying to do things. Get committed to do things. Don't try and read the Bible more. Just get committed to it. Someone said to me the other day, you're obsessed with walking out. Might have been my wife, whatever. <laughs> but, but, and then my son looked at me and was like, yeah, dad, you're right. Actually, I don't see myself like that. I'm just committed to it. I'm just committed. So I know five days a week I'm going to work out. If I don't work out five days a week, I'm probably going to work out four or three. If my elbow blows up and there's a big popcorn thing here, which happened the other day, probably because I was working out too much. <laughs> and my wife's like, the Lord's trying to teach you something. <laughs> and I was like, there's a couple other scriptures I want to point you to where the Lord's trying to teach you some things. I'll highlight them for you. I'll cut them out for you. I'll put them on a poster board, babe. This is what the Lord is trying to teach you. <laughs> Someone say committed. You know, I don't, I, I, I meet Christians sometimes like, I'm going to try to read the Bible more this year. Don't try. Commit. Commit to feed your faith. Commit to read it. And if, here's the thing, if you try, then you're going to try for two or three days. And if it didn't work, then you quit. But if you're committed to it, even if you miss those two to three days, you go, you know what? This is what I do. I feed my faith. And so the disciples couldn't deal with a problem that they were meant to be able to deal with because they had not been feeding their faith. Because they were what? They were distracted. They were distracted. Jesus said this in John 15, verse 5. He says, I am the vine and you are the branches. If, someone say if. If, if you remain in me, there's this clause in the text. If you're committed to it. Don't try to be committed to it. Don't, I'm going to work hard. No, commit to it. He says, if you do this, if you will, what, remain in me and I in you, you will do what? Bear much fruit. How many of you want to bear some fruit? Come on, how many of you want to bear some fruit? So Jesus' promise to you is if you remain in me, commit to me, stay committed, disappointment, distraction, just stay committed over time, what's going to happen in your life is you are going to bear fruit. Are you with me? Disappointments can be a kryptonite to your faith. Distractions can be a kryptonite to your faith. The demonic can truly hinder and be a kryptonite to your faith. But here's where I want to point you to. And this is really the big prayer that I believe that causes big faith is this. Listen to Mark 9 verse 22. The man is describing what has happened. It has often thrown him into the fire to kill him. But if you can, someone say, if you can. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. And then Jesus says something directly to him. He says, if you can, if you can. Now here's where I wanna focus. Everything is possible for one who believes. I heard a mentor say this, 
that your life is moving in the direction of your believing. Your life is moving in the direction of your believing. But listen to what Jesus taught every disciple, every Christian. Listen to what Jesus taught every Christian. He says, nothing is impossible. Sorry, everything is possible for one who believes. And how many know that that's like a big statement? Put it on the screen again. I want you to see this. Everything is possible for one who believes. Someone say everything. Now don't make this weird and just start praying for just selfish prayers. That's not what he's talking about. Everything is possible for one who believes. And let me say this, if everything is possible for one who believes, then perhaps the greatest thing that God is simply trying to fix in your life is simply your believing. You might might be in here today like, I believe, but I'm really struggling. Welcome to this text. I believe, help my unbelief. You might believe in God. You're like, I'm not sure I believe in Jesus. And just pray, help my unbelief. You might be dating someone and they're the wrong person. And God has shown you, don't date them. They are the wrong person. But it's hard for you to break up with them. Tell God, I believe. Help my unbelief. You might shop at church occasionally and you find it very hard to actually shop on a regular basis. Tell God, I believe God, but help my unbelief. It's funny, I was, my wife and I celebrated 17 years of marriage recently. 17 years, that's more than 17. That's something, right? When we first started the ministry, we'd been married like six months. I started doing relationship series right away because I knew so much. when I was on vacation I felt like I was like wow we've been married 17 years but help me believe that the next 17 years can actually be better than the first 17 years see that is an adjustment of belief on the inside help me believe that when I preach that that, that more can happen in the future than's been done in the past. Help me believe that this church has no limit. Help me believe that God has a plan for every man, every woman, every family represented. Help me believe that finances are never a problem. Leadership is never a problem, but it is a believing problem sometimes. See, you might be here today and you're like, man, I, I feel like I've lost my fire. Then tell God that. I believe God. But help me in my unbelief. You used to believe that God had used you in a powerful way. I believe in you still, Lord, but I seem to struggle with believing in myself. At the start of this year in 2022, during the worship moments of our church, I felt like God put on my heart two distinct things that were about me. And I felt like He gave me basically an assignment. And I'm still praying about them because I feel like they're so big. I'm just praying about them. I'm just like, Lord, you sure? You got the right guy? You got the right guy? There could be someone else who's better than me, smarter than me, sharper than me. Someone else. But I've always found that God asked me to believe Him before it happens. And so I have to bring God my belief and I say, Jesus, I believe in You. But help me believe 
that what happens in Transform doesn't just stay at Church Alive, but it actually goes around the world. See, that's what's been stirring in my heart, that what has happened here would actually go around the world. And I'm like, Lord, I know better leaders than me, sharper leaders than me, smarter leaders than me, but it's, I feel like He gave me that, like, hey, start believing me. For it is your assignment. You may want to see family members saved in your home and no one saved yet. God, I believe. Help my unbelief. God, my marriage is struggling right now, but I believe, but help my unbelief because it seems easier to bounce. You know, Albert and Nicole brought their baby up and their story is an amazing story in so many ways. And I remember when I first met Albert, actually, I remember for some reason meeting you in the foyer and talking to you and so forth. And I really am proud of where you are now because it's so obvious that you put God first and it's so obvious that the blessing of God is on you and Nicole's life. It's so obvious. But sometimes as a leader, I've seen people change their lives, but then I've also seen them reverse and backslide. And sometimes that messes with your faith. You're like, Lord, I thought they changed. I thought they got saved. I thought this. And the truth is that sometimes you just have to keep believing. You have to keep believing. Keep believing. Someone disappointed you, keep believing. People are people. I've found this in life. Here's a deep thought for you, church alive. People are people. People got issues. People do dumb things. You're like, but God, God didn't do it. People did it. People do dumb crap all the time. You ever done dumb stuff? (laughs) Yes, you have. And if you don't believe it, I reckon the person next to you believes it more. Our lives head in the direction of our believing. This is real practical sometimes. If you meet someone and they believe they can be successful financially versus someone else, how many know that that person is more likely to be successful? How many know that if you believe that you'll be healthy for the rest of your life, how many know that that person is more likely to be healthy? How many know even if they get the diagnosis of cancer, doctors will tell you that if they believe they'll recover, they are more likely to recover. This is not just a spiritual statement. This is a reality statement. If you meet someone that doesn't believe they can ever own their own home, they probably won't. But you'll meet someone else and he just believes he can own 10 homes. And he believes it. In the 1960s, the President of the United States says, we will put a man on the moon this decade. He believed it and everyone else started to rally around his belief. Let me, hear, let me say this again. Jesus said if, you believe anything is possible so can we pray this simple prayer from our hearts can we close our eyes today say I believe help me in any area of my mind or my heart that has unbelief God I declare that I believe but help me Overcome my unbelief.
take me to the next level of faith. Whatever that looks like, help me be one of those who believes in the struggle, in the battle, in the blessing. Help my unbelief. Father, I thank You for what You're doing across this church. I thank You what You're doing across every family. I give You the praise for it and the glory. Holy Spirit, take these moments and shine on people's spirits to truly deal with them where they need Your help. Comfort, correct, bring focus to distracted ones. Affirm authority in this place. Oh, I thank you for it. In Jesus' name. Come on, my eyes are closed. This is an important moment where I ask you perhaps a question that can become familiar if you've been around church circles. But sometimes the familiar can become fatal because we don't take it seriously. Jesus said this, unless a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of heaven. What does that mean? It means a man must be born once physically, but born twice spiritually. And when you're born again spiritually, what does it simply mean? It means that you've asked the only one who could forgive your sin to forgive it. You've asked the only one who could give you eternal life to have eternal life. It means you've stopped trusting you and it means you've started trusting Him. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world, every person, every man, every woman, no matter what your struggle or temptation or background. He says, for God so loved the world that He gave His only Son that whosoever, that's you, that's me, whosoever would believe in Him would not perish but have eternal life. The greatest invitation is not an invitation to a club, a party. The greatest winnings you could ever have is not lottery or some great investment. The greatest invitation of planet Earth, there is none like it, to have all of your debt wiped away, all your sin wiped away, and then to be transferred into the Lamb's Book of Life, to be transferred and called a child of the living God. The Father loves you. He sent His Son for you. Maybe at one time you put your faith in Him, but you've run away, you've slipped away. I want to pray with people right now. First of all, those who've perhaps never said yes to Christ and you're saying today, I need to be born again. For others of you, maybe at one time you did, but you know you've fallen away, slipped away, fell away. You're not in right relationship with God. The love of God draws you. The love of God is for you. He calls you to Himself. So let's pray this prayer together. Say, Jesus, I declare I need You. I ask You 
right now to forgive me. Past, present, future. I want to know you. I want a relationship with you. Change my life. If you pray that prayer in this place right here, right now, or you pray this prayer online, I'm going to ask you in a moment to slip up your hand just to recognize that and say, Pastor Anthony, that's me today. All across this place. Would you raise your hand? Raise your hand all across this place. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Hands going up. Hands going up all across the place. Hold it long enough and high enough for me to see it and just recognize you. I'm not trying to embarrass you, but I am just trying to recognize there's something in making a decision. There's something in saying, yes, God, that's me. See my heart. See my life. Hands going up all across this place. That's awesome today. That's awesome today. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. You can put your hand down now. Father, I want to pray and I declare over every man, every woman, whether they're receiving you for the very first time or feel like they just got lost, distracted and their faith got destroyed. I pray for them today that you would strengthen them and guide them. Spirit of God, fill them afresh. Let them leave this place sensing you are with them, that you love them, that you're for them that You would plant them in Your house and in Your purpose, I pray. I come against everything that would come against them right now. I declare the blood of Jesus over them. I declare the blessing of God is for them. Help them know You and hear Your voice, we pray in Jesus' Name. And everyone said, Amen. Can we celebrate those people who said yes to Christ? Come on, stand to your feet for a moment.